Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast Trash and Treasury. We're Grace and Miranda. So today, it's a pretty exciting day for Grace because I have finally loosened the reins and let her speak (laughs) about Taylor Swift for an entire segment. (laughs) Yes, I'm unleashed and ready to go. I've got so many opinions. I'm so excited. (laughs) So that will be Treasury because there are actually some complex issues at play, which we'll get into. But then for our trash, we're going to be doing a TV recap of the Stan series Love Life. Yeah, such an awesome show that we've both recommended independently in season one. And it's executively produced and also stars Anna Kendrick. But before further ado, we need to get stuck straight into Treasury before Grace loses it. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) So on the 24th of July, 2020... With just 16 hours' notice, Taylor Swift dropped her latest studio album, Folklore. Now, apparently she did not even let her record label know this was happening. They only found out when the world found out, and the whole world was so shocked. I actually have this Taylor Swift group chat on WhatsApp, and (laughs) I knew the news of the album within seconds because of this group chat, and one of my friends in the group chat is like, I literally only have notifications on my Instagram so that I can get the latest Taylor updates in real time. (laughs) And like when that album came out, oh, it was so good. And as I sort of said a little bit in my recommendation last week, like Taylor Swift's always been a beautiful songwriter and lyricist. And this album is a lot more sort of acoustic, um, and really Thank lets God. her lyrics shine. Yeah, I agree. I did not like, like her pop venture. No, I didn't She's like much her pop albums either. Country and guitar singer, you know? Yeah. And she wanted to prove a point. She wanted to prove, because um, she'd got some criticism from her last sort of country album, which started to have a little bit of pop. And she got some criticism that it wasn't sonically cohesive. So she released her first full pop album to show she could write a pop record. Um, and 1989 was great and then her latest her f- next two albums were still quite poppy but this one has really yeah come back to her roots and it's just beautiful people are describing the vibe of this album as witchy cottagecore <laughs> which I just think is so, so appropriate <laughs> yeah. so appropriate and it's a really good um quarantine soundtrack to do while you're like crafting some flower crowns or like tending the veggies <laughs> yeah Cottage core is the vibe. Feeling wholesome AF. <laughs> exactly. I have a question. Yes. How did she get away with releasing an album without telling her music people? Yeah, I don't know. And look, that's <laughs> I a guess because whole... she's she's Taylor, she can kind of just do shit now because she's like so yeah. big. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did read that um, in a tabloid, so I don't know if that's true, but I guess like a big thing that's very famously happened to Taylor is that her previous record label before her last two albums um, were very controlling and it ended on very bad terms where essentially they wanted to sell the record company and Mm. she was like, okay, but um, I want to buy my masters. I want to own all of my albums that I've made and they wouldn't sell them to her because if they sold them to her, then their record company wouldn't be worth anything. And they wanted to sell it for like a big profit because her albums are like the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. And she is the most wealthy entertainer ever. So she can afford to buy her albums. Yeah. But they wouldn't sell them to her. And they ended up being sold to uh, Justin Bieber's manager. Scooter Braun. So scooter, that's, uh, scooter someone. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I remember hearing about this. She basically had to make a choice. Even if she stayed with that record label, she still didn't personally own her old albums. And the record label said to her, we will give you back your old albums one by one, starting from your first album. We will give you back one by one for every new album you record under our name. Whoa. Yeah. And so she made a decision instead to just part ways with them. And she said, you know, I had a choice to either bank on my past or bank on my future. And I've had to say goodbye to my old albums. Yeah. And look, I think that um, it's probably a good time to bring up the fact that uh, we're talking about Taylor Swift in Treasury um, for a reason, because 
yes, she's a pop artist and yes, there's lots of sort of um, gossip about Taylor and her music is, is, you know, her new songs are really cool. But a lot of what we, I'm sure we will be diving into today is why um, she's so relevant and what sort of an impact she has for women, what she's done to stand up for Mm. people and why she's so awesome and totally under-respected. So I think that like, yeah, like Mm. that's that's why we're talking about her today and also why she's been such a controversial figure and like mm-hmm. such a uh, feminist debate center where people were like is she isn't she is she secretly a conservative is she not blah 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 like there's so much um scrutiny of taylor as a person um absolutely and so i think like yeah that whole record label thing she's really spoken out really vocally trying to get change for artists to have more rights such as better royalties from Spotify and things like that and she's sort of and like yes on iTunes as well and she's sort of said I'm not doing this for myself like I don't need the money I'm not trying yeah. to brag but like I don't <laughs> but I just think this is like really important that artists are actually valued for what they produce and so I think the reason if it is true that her record label didn't know it's because she is trying to be independent and seize the means to her own production to use a little communist phrase but like she's the <laughs> one that makes this stuff she should be able to control it and benefit from it and I think yeah. like the first song of the album actually starts off like the whole album people said this album was a breakup album and they were really worried she broke up with her partner because everyone's constantly scrutinizing her relationships but actually it's a breakup song for her old albums and her old record label Mm. and sort of about how she had to like make peace with just having to like lose that right yeah I mean it was a big deal and it must be very heartbreaking to create content and like uh, and a work of art which is a song for her you know that she has poured her heart and soul into and is like a part of her life that she now just has no control over whatsoever yeah one thing that was really interesting about it is that actually a random person got involved Kelly Clarkson. Do you remember Kelly Clarkson? Oh, my God. Blast from the past. Miss Blast Independence. from the past. Miss Independence since you've been gone. Um, <laughs> so she posted on Twitter like a joke, but then everyone was like, that's actually a fantastic idea. So Kelly Clarkson was like, hey, Taylor Swift, why don't you re-record all of your old albums, sing them exactly the same way with exactly the same instruments, but just record them all again with your new album and get all your fans to play them from your own way you want them to play them so that if people want to listen to your old songs, you'll own them. Wow. Did she do that? Well, she hasn't released any yet. Um, It's to do with, like, she has to wait till a certain year when you're able to re-record, but there's been huge Ah. rumours that she's been re-recording them. And actually people people were really shocked she's put out a new album because everyone assumed she would be putting out her re-records. I feel like Taylor is constantly having to go above and beyond every single time to prove a point when she is thwarted by a troll, you know, or someone who wants to kind of push her down in a public arena. You know, she's like, well, fine. All right, well, I'll do it this way and I'll still be amazing. Exactly. And she's sort of spoken about that. She's become a lot more vocal um, over the years and particularly in the Trump presidency. And she's sort of like done a lot more very revealing interviews and said things like that and sort of started... Yeah, I mean, she's always been a bit critical of, like, sexism in the commentary about her and she's always made points like, no one's saying that all of Ed Sheeran and Bruno Mars's, you know, their songs about their exes, but no one's obsessed if they can, you know, Mm. hold down a relationship the way people scrutinise Taylor Swift. Um, I I think in terms of her political opinions, you're you're totally correct and, like, she's been more vocal recently, but um, I did hear somewhere that um, her being completely apolitical for her early career was something that she was told to do by all the men in her industry so I don't know if this was in the doco as well but that was was like the main thing of the doco yeah which I haven't actually watched but um I just knew this information about it and it was like she was told to not be divisive because that's the way that she was going to sell records the most and then eventually Mm. as she kind of grew into herself and grew into who she wanted to be as an artist 
you know, she was able to be um, more vocal and she was like, I don't actually care if I'm going to divide people. I like believe that I've got a platform mm. and it's important to say things like, oh, she's very cool. She's very cool. And also before she spoke out, it was starting to do more harm than good being silent because there was a lot of like far right people that were like, Taylor is our Aryan queen of the neo-Nazis. And like, she wasn't making her political beliefs clear. So they could think that. Um, And they go into the documentary, the reasons, as you said, all the men in her life didn't want her to speak out. And the reason why was because of the treatment of the Dixie Chicks. And there's a fantastic documentary about the Dixie Chicks. Have you seen Shut Up and Sing? I haven't. Oh, it's fantastic. So basically they were just filming um, a video of their world tour, as you do, you know, release it on DVD. (laughs) Yeah. And while they were filming their world tour at one of their concerts, it was during the Bush era, and at one of their concerts, the main singer in a concert in London said, just so you know, we don't support the war and we're ashamed that the president of the United States is from Texas. <gasps> yes. Yes. And everyone steamrolled over, like bulldozed their records. They had so much hate speech. But they were in the middle of this world tour and they'd done the European leg first before the US leg. And right. so by the time they got to the US leg, everyone hated them. And everyone was like, we're only here because we couldn't get a refund. Like the whole crowd was booing them and they were getting death threats like, I'm going to bring a gun to your concert in Austin and shoot you. Um, (gasps) And that's what the song Not Ready to Make Nice is about. My God. And if you listen to the lyrics, it's like so amazing. And I really recommend that doco. And basically that was the cautionary tale everyone told Taylor Swift. Everyone would tell her, don't be like the Dixie Chicks. They spoke out against George Bush. It ended their career. They never bounced back from it. Um, You know, just, you know, it's not nice to speak about politics. People just want you to speak about music. Yeah. Random point related to the Dixie Chicks is I've heard that um, people are are unhappy, including even themselves, taking some self-reflection, that their name is no longer appropriate to be used. Yeah, yeah. So Dixie is offensive. I can't remember why, which I feel terrible about, but um, Dixie is offensive for a lot of reasons, so they might just be calling themselves the Chicks. Yeah, (laughs) they have changed their name. does not have the same ring to it. Yeah. So what's the reason, Grace? Do you remember? I think it's to do with like Dixie is associated with like the Confederate uh, South and slavery and stuff. Um, So yeah, a lot of bands have changed their names recently. And so yeah, they're they're now the Chicks. So yeah, good point actually. So everyone was saying to Taylor, don't be like the Chicks. Don't be like the Chicks. (laughs) (laughs) Formerly Dixie Chicks. Yeah, don't be like the band formerly known as the Dixie Chicks. But I want to tell you about these three songs that are so amazing that she's told this story. So the first single that came out is called Cardigan. And when it uh, premiered on YouTube, Taylor was live commenting on YouTube and she talked about the fact there was this thing called the Teenage Love Triangle, which is three songs written from three different perspectives of three people in a love triangle. And it's so good. It's like a movie. It's so good. Wow. Um, I mentioned that I have a Taylor Swift WhatsApp group with my friends. Yes. So one of my friends is a creative genius and she came up with a theory about these three songs, which I honestly think is groundbreaking and huge news (laughs) that the world does not know. Okay. (laughs) And look, it might not make sense to you, but I'll try to explain. So her theory is that the characters in the teenage love triangle is actually autobiographical And Betty is actually referring to Taylor Swift. The guy, James, is actually referring to Joe Jonas. And the other woman is actually referring to Camilla Bell. Now, this is like going back to 2008. And I know I just said like, everyone's obsessed with Taylor's exes. It's so sexist. But also she does write a lot of love songs and there is serious merit to this theory. It's also just a super fan thing. You want to know. You just want to know. It's a super fan thing. Also, (laughs) Taylor also puts a lot of clues, Easter eggs, hints. She calls them Easter eggs and she says she's like, yeah, she hides Easter eggs for her fans to figure out. And she She said, yeah. 
And she said specifically with uh, folklore that she's put a lot of the Easter eggs in the lyrics. So basically we were like discussing this theory on our WhatsApp Taylor Swift chat and we were all getting so excited. Like we were getting so excited. We didn't even have time to text. We had to just send each other voicemails, voice memos (laughs) being like, and then it's this and then it's this. We were basically like that person in like a room looking at all like the clippings and like drawing connections between them. Yeah. (laughs) And my friend was like, this theory is so good, but I can't express it. Like Grace, can you write it up? And then we'll like go viral with it. So I'm like, yes. And I was planning to just write like an Instagram caption. No, you need to write a piece. You need to submit this. Well, (laughs) so I ended up writing a 1500 word essay. (laughs) 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 Because there was just so many important pieces of information. And look, We'll put the whole theory up on our Trash and Treasury Instagram page so you can check it out for yourselves. It's too much to all go into it right now. But I wrote it up and then I like designed it on like little squares, like photos, like with the words written and um, put like my Instagram name and my Twitter name because I was really worried (laughs) this theory is so big that someone will steal it. So I needed to like watermark it because honestly, like I don't think you and our listeners potentially understand the gravity of this like we are breaking some serious news on this podcast it's huge gossip yeah heard it here first like seriously the biggest because, Taylor theory of your life have you submitted yeah. it to some um publications well <laughs> I uh, posted it on Twitter okay and my account got shut down for being a spam bot <gasps> what? <laughs> because I posted too many pictures about Taylor Swift <laughs> I just assumed you were a spam bot. I thought I was a spam bot, and I'm like, no, I just have a lot of feelings. (laughs) So I just had a sip of tea and spat it out. Like, (laughs) 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 they were like, yeah, this is irritating content. This is not real. I'm like, it is real. (laughs) Clearly, clearly a spam bot. (laughs) Anyway. I got my account Brilliant. unblocked, um, but it still only has four likes, so it definitely hasn't gone viral. Um, I'm hoping with the launch of season two of our podcast, this episode might be what gets this theory viral and we'll get to meet Taylor <laughs> Swift and like, yeah, it was huge. Oh my it was, God, that would be so amazing. Yeah, it would be. That's the dream. That is the and- dream. <laughs> Imagine if we could get Taylor on the pod. Oh, my God. I don't know if you'd survive. (laughs) I don't think I would survive. But she is, like, really generous with her time and with her fans. And, like, so I still do hold a little candle of the dream. Yes. Um, So that was a hilarious moment. And another key hilarious moment, which is not related to me personally, but I also want to tell you about the new album. So have you heard about, like, her really super obsessed Stan fans who are, like, basically harassing anyone that doesn't like Taylor Swift? No. It's kind of like every kind of teenage idol celebrity has them. One Direction has them. Like, everyone's got these fans and they're... Aggressive fans. Aggressive stalker kind of. Like, if you don't like her, you're... You, you should die, you know, kind of thing. Precisely. So basically <laughs> the fans were like, her album needs to get at least 90% rating. Like this is our mission in life. Um, and so one reviewer for I think it was Pitchfork magazine gave them quite a good review, was like this album's like complex, beautiful, four out of five stars, loved it. But four out of five stars would bring their average down. That's 80. They need 90. So they (laughs) sent her death threats. Like, it's funny, but it's not even funny. Like, they harassed her. They posted, like, all over her social media with this, like, weird symbols. And it was in this, like, ancient rune language. And when you translated the symbols, what it, like, stood for was... Anyone who comes after the Dark Queen, Taylor Swift, dies alone and will be burned forever. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So extra. Like, no need. Unnecessary. No need. Exactly. She's loved by lots of people and including you. So just like, Exactly. I know. And, like, 
I love the passion, but channel the passion into like a positive creative outlet. Don't channel it into a 1500 word essay like you. Exactly. (laughs) You can be obsessed with Taylor and not hurt and harass and intimidate and scare other people. That's it. So like, come on guys. If you're listening and you're doing that, reconsider your choices. Now, one thing we haven't spoken about yet in relation to Taylor that I thought you were going to bring up, but is her court case that she won for sexual harassment. Because this is a huge issue. Like, I mean, a huge deal. You know, people haven't spoken about this enough. I remember when I heard about it, I was like, what? How was I not following this coverage? So the story goes, and correct me where I'm wrong. Sure. Obviously, (laughs) you're the the super fan here. Um, (laughs) So... Um, Taylor Swift was sexually harassed in her workplace um, by a crew member. Then subsequently that crew member was let go um, and due to the harassment, but was let go. He so not quiet. Filed for so, d- un- unfair dismissal, didn't he? Well, it was a meet and greet and he didn't work at her same crew. He was a radio producer. And she was doing a photo shoot with fans and stuff and he was like some radio guy. And, yes, he um, sexually assaulted her. He put his hand under her skirt and touched her. Um, And he was then fired from his own employee. Right. But then how did Taylor Swift get sued? Was it like a civil... Because he sued her saying, I got fired because you accused me of sexual harassment. Yeah. Yes. And then long story short, she was right and there was video footage of the sexual assault um, Mm. and that it was entirely credible and he had to pay like a lot of money and all the legal fees and whatnot. And they basically said, well, what kind of a ballpark figure are you looking for, Taylor? And she said, Mm -hmm. I don't, she said, I don't need the money. She's like, but obviously he has to pay something because they have to write it down. She says, I want $1, but I'm doing this and pursuing this case because it's important to stand up for yourself and I'm standing up for other women. And I'm pretty sure he still had to pay a bunch of money, but it went to, um, like a women's rights organization or something like that. Mm. But, um, she, you know, she was just like, it's important like to have this be shown that you need to stand up for yourself and stand up for your rights, even if it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And like, what a groundbreaking moment. Yeah. And how powerful for other victim so survivors powerful. to know that they're among, you know, a group with Taylor Swift and she's been through it too and like – She's standing there saying, this happened to me. It wasn't okay. Yep. And her whole testimony in that trial, yep, it was, like, so fantastic. And so he was like, you know, I lost my job because of you. And she was like, the decisions you made that led to you using your job had nothing to do with me. And, like, I'm not sorry for the unfortunate turn of events in your life. Like, you're the one that's responsible for those. Yeah, you've decided to sexually harass me and in turn then been uh, adequately adequately let go from your position because you're a dick (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh well I feel so empowered after (laughs) after that discussion I hope you all have as well (laughs) yeah and Grace you must feel relieved getting that out of your system whole second I do oh my god thanks everyone (laughs) look I can't promise we're not going to still have little elements each episode that relate to Taylor. She is omnipresent and universal and she'll probably come up, but at least we've got most of it out of our system. (laughs) Oh, I love it. All right. Well, now we're going to head over to Trash where we're going to deep dive into the Stan series Love Life. So for Trash today, we are diving into the Stan series Love Life, which has very excitingly been renewed for a season two. Um, So the series follows Darby, a woman called Darby, through her formative years of dating, through her sort of, I would say 20s. Is that right, Grace? Am I on the right track here? It was pretty much her whole 20s. There were some flashbacks to school as well, um, mm. but yeah, most of the show is set in her twenties, I guess. And yeah, and she yeah she retells some flashbacks. That's right. Played by the wonderful Anna Kendrick, and she's just as 
charming as ever. She's hilarious. She um, brings so much emotion to her roles. And actually, this is something I didn't know, that she was an executive producer on the show. So this was her first, Mm. this was her very first producing role. She nailed it. She nailed it. (laughs) She really did. And um, I listened to an interview with her and she was saying, you know, so much of the writer's room and how they were creating the show. I mean, there was a baseline of the show and then they sort of added to it. And um, a lot of the writers, a lot of the people in that room, including Anna herself, injected a lot of personal stories into this show, which is what gives it this uh, That's so not surprising to hear that. So not surprising because it, yeah. I just thought this is so amazingly authentic, like what comes through in this show. I Who told to them about our lives? How do they know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do they know about our lives? Yeah. <laughs> um, there was this one funny story, actually, where she said to um, the writer, she's like, I don't remember telling you this story. Um, did somebody tell you about this? And he just said, uh, like, no, I just, that was, I just made that up. <laughs> you know, just that But some it was of- real. But it was real. Is it something that wow. had happened to Anna? She didn't reveal which, you know, which thing it was but um and she the show I did not see see why it would be so good I I sort of thought it'll be rom-com it'll be uh cliche it'll be predictable and I have to say that um although there are some qualities like that in the show that are a little bit predictable I have to say that it's very different and it's pretty amazing what they cover and how accurate they get some experiences that people go through in their uh, love life, um, but not just in terms of romantic relationships, in terms of friendships, um, parental relationships, um, ch- having children. It's just really, really beautiful. I completely agree. It was so realistic and I feel like I've met a lot of those characters, like um, the character of Jim, one of her friends Sarah's long-term partners. I'm like, yeah, I know Jim. Jim, yep. I know multiple Jims. Um, Character of Magnus, yeah, they all felt like very fleshed out and um, yeah, yeah, it was cringily relatable but also, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think a really good show. So relatable and also kind of um, just subverted that, um, you know, this is exactly what you would expect, like the plot line to go and it just kind of turns um, and it goes a different way. And that's really, really interesting. I I think it's very millennial as well. Like a lot of these um, characters, a lot of the relationships and um, how dating sort of operates It's and Tinder and all of these sorts of things, I think it's so relatable to women of our age and Mm. it's just I haven't seen anything quite like it um put into a show or in film before so it's just that I think that's just why it's just made such a splash and um you know for those who would like to watch the show and um you know don't want spoilers we will be going into some of the characters so um here's your warning (laughs) but um I've watched it through twice now so um even if you know what happens it's still a great show to watch and um you will still enjoy the nuances of what happens because there's so much to talk about so what i would like to bring up first is the character of magnus knew that's where we're gonna go yep (laughs) yeah dive in deep um magnus is uh one of the men she meets uh down the track and He's kind of amazing, he's romantic, he's sweet, he's funny, he's charismatic, Um, you know, he's got a beard. Um, (laughs) He's just like kind of the quintessential um, like a sort of woke man, um, I suppose, that's, you know, quite attractive. And what I will say to that, all of that, plus taking it up one more notch to, we just talked about in the segment just gone about how Taylor Swift's new album has been described as cottagecore. Magnus yes. is also like cottagecore vibes. He's like, let's have a farm. Let's have like five kids on the farm and we'll like have veggies yes. and chickens. And it's like, it's the dream. Cottagecore yes. is so in right now and it doesn't so take much 
for someone to have a beard and say a few things and for you to be like, oh my God, what a great guy. What a great guy. Finally, a great guy. She finally Finally met the guy. She's met him. She's met him. And he like wants all these things. He wants kids. He wants a family. He wants to get married. He wants to have a farm and, you know, like have um, animals and all this sort of stuff. And he's a chef so he can cook. And, um, you know, he's just all about Darby and he loves her. And, you know, this relationship, he's very intense. And he kind of gets more intense uh, throughout their relationship. But what's more is that he kind of just, he sort of steps backwards when he is floundering with his work. Mm. And he's floundering with his work. He's feeling, um, you know, a bit crushed by that. And then goes into this ridiculous kind of lawsuit that he was like wrongfully terminated, but it's because he's actually just a shit kicker (laughs) and he wasn't putting in enough effort and um, Darby's supporting him and he just constantly is getting angry at her. Um, She doesn't understand him because his issues are like the most important issues. Um, And also she gets a promotion the same day he loses his job, so... They're kind of yeah. not in the same place and she's like, look, I'm just saying this is like a bit awkward, but it's good. It means you don't have to worry. I've got money. But he's also, it's just the nuance of his emotional abuse, I think. Yeah, it sneaks in. There was a few sort of yellow flags, all the unopened bills and stuff, but generally it was like, he said he wanted kids and that's all it took for the audience and Darby to be like, oh my God. Yeah. But then slowly by slowly it started to get, yeah. Emotional yeah. abuse. So once That's again, it. the number for 1-800-RESPECT will put up <laughs> on the website. But yeah, I think what it portrayed that relationship well and how that can sort of sneak into a relationship that starts really well and in places you'd least expect it. It was so... Um, we haven't even mentioned the fact that he actually was somebody that she married, but you didn't see the wedding or anything like that. So... Um, that was really different as well. You know, the fact that she had this marriage in the middle of her 20s um, that didn't last. Um, She ends up breaking up with Magnus. But what was portrayed so well was when she uh, was having trouble with him and it was getting to, you know, towards the pointy end of will they or won't they stay together? Um, And she's just blank. Like she's so depressed and kind of she's got no emotions um you know mm, her work is going mm-hmm. so well and her it's like she's just moving around her life but she's completely not in her body and it's when her friend gives her the picture of this um cup when she first started her work and you know you see in this picture how joyful she looks and how happy she looks and she just remembers that she was happy once and she can't rem- like she just that feeling is so far away but she gets upset. She goes home. She she cooks one single egg and puts it on a plate with chili sauce, which is the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then he's just like, what the hell? Like, da, da, da. And she's like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, we're just, I think I'm done. And he's like, we made vows. We made vows, you know, blah, 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 blah. This is the worst of for better or worse. Like I'm struggling right now, but I'll support you when you're struggling. Yeah, I'll get better. I'll get better. I'll do better. And she's just like, I don't think so, you know. And then he's like, I know it's hard right now, but it'll get better. And she said, it's not hard. You made it hard. And she just realizes that like that relationship is over. And then he just comes at her with all these kind of threats like how dare you and I'm going to kill myself and all these kind of horrible Mm, things mm -hmm. and she throws the bottle of chili sauce at the wall and gets back to eating her egg and it was just like end of episode the most amazing scene I don't know I don't know it was kind of just her being like nah enough's enough Enough's enough. She's completely done. And whew, did I relate to this one? May I say? Yeah. <laughs> it was very hard to watch. But um, yeah, it's it was so, so well done um, and so truthful, I reckon, for a lot of people who've experienced something like this. Yeah. And so I think it was good that it showed like, yeah, showed her getting out of it and realizing and stuff um but yeah very powerful a really powerful scene I think as well which was completely different related to a completely different character in a different context yep 
um, her friend Sarah. Mm. So her best friend Sarah has been in this long-term relationship with this guy um, who's kind of like nice but a bit boring. Sarah's like sort of the life of the party and it kind of becomes more and more clear that she's an alcoholic and they're away for a um, hen's weekend and the scene where basically she drinks so much she drink drives to go and get a burrito and Anna Kendrick kind of takes her aside and was like I'm really worried about you like this is so dangerous like please don't be mad at me but I think it's really time for rehab yeah and Sarah kind of agrees and she's like you're right like but then the next morning they're like I've called your sister like everything's ready you're checking in at 10 and she's like I don't know what you're talking about I have no memory of last night what are you talking about and you just see the main character Darby played by Anna Kendricks acting in that scene I thought was phenomenal of her heart just breaking it was so good yeah it was so emotional I cried that like throughout that episode I just thought it was so um like it was heartbreaking and it was quite realistically done as well like because you know you know she didn't have anything like um crazy that happened like as in happened she didn't hurt herself or she didn't um you know uh, run over somebody or whatever because I just thought that would have made it really really um I don't know it probably just would have overtaken the themes which was the fact that she has a problem Mm. and she needed to address it but she'd gone so far in that she was drink driving but her heart when she was just like you're coming to rehab with me right now. Like she did not believe that Sarah didn't remember the conversation that they'd had the night before. She was like, you're coming to rehab with me right now or I'm done. She's like, I'm not vouching for you anymore. I can't do this anymore. It hurts too much. And, um, oh, and then she just, Sarah just gets back under the covers and Anna Kendrick walks, walks out and like essentially kind of loses, um, you know, another huge love in her life, which is her best friend, you know, like, that is so traumatic to lose a best friend um, because of, you know, a fight or just issues that you can't get past, you know. Well, it's once horrible. again, yeah, she's had to cut a toxic person out of her life, um, similar yep. to Magnus, even though Sarah was, like, such a, yeah, good friend. And as we said, there will be spoilers. So, yeah, they do reconcile. They become estranged, but then Sarah does um, get help and um, get sober and they do, yeah reconnect I also thought it was so good because um what Sarah was feeling in those moments as well um I really resonated with as well I I think um it's tricky when you know everyone around you seems to be kind of um you know going onwards and upwards and Mm. then you're the one that's left in this kind of limbo period where you're not quite ready to either uh make decisions to better your life or anything like that but you kind of just want to keep the young memories alive and so that she constantly is you know trying to round everyone up and do coke and drink and you know like she's always wanting to go out and party Mm. and everyone else is kind of just over it um Mm. but she's not ready to be that person yet move to new jersey (laughs) yeah she's not ready to move to new jersey with jim and um like it was just it was really, really interesting and I think so many people will relate to this, like, you know, not necessarily in the the substance abuse ways but just in that kind of, oh, crap, you know, where you feel like everyone else is like sorting their life out and you're not and you're mm. like, whoa, that's so scary. Mm. It was just fascinating. It was really, really well done um, and honest and, oh, just, just loved that plot line even though it was hard to take. Yeah, I think the Sarah and Darby friendship – was a really great storyline and as you said it like sort of portrayed that we're not just talking about romantic love in Darby's story we're talking about parental love and friendship love um yeah and so yeah that was yeah very powerful where that story went (laughs) another story that I loved which was a very unexpected left of field story (laughs) was the flashbacks to her time at boarding school Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. And what eventually this big embarrassing incident that eventually all comes out. Yes. Her, so she was basically dating this guy who she adored. And then she comes home one day um, where her roommate is um, 
having sex with someone in her dorm. So she just sits on the floor outside the dorm and then the guy that she really likes comes out and he's been banging her roommate. And then she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like she's devastated. She's shocked. And then her friend comes out and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, and she's like, it's not about you. I don't even care. I've got my own shit going on, which she did, but not this. And then she goes, well, what's going on? She's like, I just found out I have cancer. (laughs) And you're like, oh, shit. You know, how do you creep yourself out of that one? You you cannot put that toothpaste back into the tube. You absolutely can't. That's out. (laughs) Yeah, it's out of the bag. And um, I sort of get in that emotional thing, you know, she didn't want to admit defeat like she didn't want to admit that she was heartbroken um but then she just like made up a lie and thought oh shit you know that was a really but bad her decision. trying to figure out how to get out of it is so hilarious she's literally googling what types of cancers can you really quickly recover from without yeah. going bald <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like how can I make this seem legit <laughs> she's basically Belle Gibson um You're trying to be Belle Gibson <laughs> anyway <laughs> And um, obviously it doesn't go down well. The school finds out and she leaves the school. And this is all told through um, therapy sessions that she has with this amazing actress called Siobhan Fallon Hogan, who you will recognize her face. Um, She's the mother, Stanley Yelnats' mother in Holes, for those who've seen that movie. So random. So random. Um, but she's in a lot of stuff. She's always kind of like side character, but she's really funny. And she was really good as this therapist. She kind of says, she's like, well, that doesn't, she's like, I don't know why I did it. It sounds kind of, you know, uh, you know, upsetting and, and whatnot. And she says, upsetting, embarrassing, sounds traumatizing. Yeah. I loved that therapy oh, scene. It was yeah. so good. It was like, it was, and it was her formative years and, it was trauma and she was also you know had issues with uh, her parents and things but um yeah that was such a, a transformative moment in her life where she felt rejected um and that's where the therapist was going with that that she was always expecting rejection and yeah I think you're right like this was such a formative experience for her and about her rejection issues and it actually did stem from her parents as you'd sort of just mentioned her parents so her parents had just got divorced and were sort of moving in with different partners and Darby sort of said to her parents I think looks like you guys both you know got your own lives now so maybe I'll just go to boarding school and she wanted them to be like no live with me live with me but they were like okay great sign you up for term one and she kind of I think felt rejected by that as well yeah, she did. Like, she didn't want to go. She wanted them to want her. And um, this comes up again in later episodes where her mum comes to stay with her after she has <laughs> emergency appendix surgery. And um, oh, that also- is really <laughs> great scenes as well. <laughs> I love her mum is like, come on, Darby, come over here. I need to cuddle you and take care of you. And she's like, mum, I just had surgery. Is like hobbling over. Exactly. <laughs> so funny. Exactly. And, but it was really good. I think it was really well fleshed out, that their conversations, um, because uh, her mother was a bit uh, neurotic, a little bit uh, eccentric as well. And um, I think, you know, for, for Darby, she was constantly like, her mum was just uninterested in spending time with her, having real conversations with her or actually being there when she was needed. And um, so it was really tough. And they have this uh, conversation at a mattress shop with Darby's brother and mm. her mum's wanting to buy a mattress for her son because, you know, he's moving out yes, and stuff. And she same. just sits on the one of the beds in the shop and she just bursts into tears and she's like, nobody ever bought me a bed I had to buy one and like take it on a boat and like (laughs) haul it upstairs and stuff she's like it was horrible like and she said but like her mum sort of was saying well sometimes I feel like you don't want me or I'm not useful to you she says I've always wanted you and then her Mm -hmm. mum sort of has this realization that that's a pattern in her marriages that have both broken down that she pushes people away because she's afraid um, of rejection, rejection as well. So she just pushes people away before it can happen. And um, then Darby sort of has this 
understanding with her mom and they have this like really beautiful bonding moment and there's this lovely like lesson at the end which I just thought was so beautiful and I really related to this as well she said there's a voiceover, by the way. So this is the voiceover. Yeah, and she there's said, a British narration, which I quite liked the narration. I thought it was different. I thought I would hate it, but I really enjoyed it. It was yeah, really good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it worked really well. And so they're sitting, you know, and they're bonding at the mattress shop and uh, the voiceover says, she started to see her mum for what she could offer rather than what she couldn't, therefore unlocking a part of her heart that she like needed or something like that and um it was just so sweet and I thought it was so true and you do need to like look at all of the facts and um you know start to see people for who they really are and not just for the negative things it's just such a moving such a moving show I just I just love it I just absolutely love it although the ending questionable (laughs) I agree I strongly (laughs) did not like the narration of the ending yeah particularly so Which part? the narration, so they introduce this guy who is like a really sweet, nice guy. He's actually also in High Fidelity. The actor's name is Kingsley Benadir. Oh, he's so beautiful. But he's so beautiful. <laughs> he's really nice. But what I really didn't like was the narration where they said, and so Darby had found her person, the one she would be with for the rest of her life. And I just thought that really undermined the whole show and the complexity the show was trying to go for to be like, there is the one. I really, they the names yeah. of the episodes are the names of people. Yeah. And they named the last episode something uh, that didn't have a person's name. And I really hoped it would be like she found love for herself or something and like realised yeah. she didn't She also had a baby. Find... I, think, I think it was the baby's name, wasn't it? No, I think it was just called The One or something. Oh, okay. The person. My... Yeah. The person, yeah. Um, and so I wanted it to, yeah, be like, you know, there's more than just one person for everyone and there's lots of relationships and, yeah, you have to have a good relationship with yourself. But instead they were like, and she dated all these duds and now she's found the one and they'll be together forever. And I just thought, yeah, the show really did itself a discredit with that narration. I was not a fan. Yeah, it was slightly Hollywoodized. However, only just just because I think that um, – you know, we didn't have enough time to flesh out their relationship. Like maybe we'd understand it a bit more if um, hopefully that maybe is what they will do in season two. I really hope so. Um, Well, my problem with it is not really about the relationship. It's about just saying that they're going to be together forever because even the best relationships won't necessarily be and like... For I reckon a variety of reasons. I I reckon it'll be uh, when they go further into it, it'll be like on and off situation, or it'll be complicated or something like that. I think he was great, um, but it just seemed a little too clean cut. And the fact that she sort of went through all these relationships, and now she's great, and now she has no issues. She's now confident, and she's like got a great job. She's got a baby to someone else yeah. with this co-parent friendship relationship with this guy called Augie. It was and, way too much happy ending. And then instead she's of the like work in progress. That is life. Now she likes herself, and now she's going to like herself forever, and she's never going to have any issues. And she's with her partner, and that's the end. It's kind of like surely she's going to have more issues. She's going to have another person in her life that's going to be challenging you know like it just kind of felt a little too wrapped up but um Mm. as I said hopefully they redeem themselves in season two well I'm glad we finally got to talk about love life as you know from season one we both separately recommended love life and we've already been watching it recommending talking about it tweeting it so much in fact that we actually got some fake Anna Kendrick impersonator fan page (laughs) engaging with our podcast which was good so yeah hopefully this Anna Kendrick content gets us back on your radar she is amazing and I can see why she inspires obsessed super fans <laughs> yeah look there's nothing wrong with super fans as discussed in the treasury of today's episode so I think it's all good <laughs> that's it all right well now let's find out what hills we're dying on this week So it's our second time doing our brand new segment, The Hill I Will Die On. Now, Miranda, what hill are you willing to die on this week? The hill I'm willing to die on this week is that the term partners is used so much more than is necessary because of COVID. 
Ah, <laughs> oh, interesting. What I'm do you mean? so over it. I mean, okay, so people... Yeah, I need more information. I'm not, <laughs> not, not immediately sure what you mean, so please go on. <laughs> Maybe I'm one of the people. Look, let's see what this is all about. You're definitely not one of the people. So oh, pe- when people reach partner status, right, that's kind of like you've, you've had a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a buddy or a special friend or whatever you want to call them and then you kind of reach a plateau of yes we're like maybe moving in together or um been together for a long time you you partnered up you shacked up you you know you're good to go I reckon that's like that's partner status Mm -hmm. buddy does not a partner make nor does it's true it's very true nor does a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a uh, someone, yeah, other dating, gender neutral, unoffensive terminology uh, person make like partners for in my mind are like people who've been together for a long time, reach that certain stage of life. But because of lockdown, would you say de facto on the census? Yes or no? <laughs> but then it's like they're constantly calling them each other partners now because yeah, that's the only way that it's like. <laughs> socially acceptable because they're like I'm just I've I'm I'm hanging out with my partner I'm I'm isolating with my partner yeah my partner and I are isolating together it's like you're not partners (laughs) you're isolating with your boyfriend like you know let's be real (laughs) anyway that's the hill I'm willing to die on this week it's pissing me off yeah that is totally fair and totally (laughs) hilarious I think I'll join you on that hill (laughs) thank you so what hill are you dying on this week so I'm bringing back a controversial issue that's actually a 20-year-old issue mm. that still is not being resolved. And look, the reason I bring it up is because I see a lot of people actually arguing the opposite point to the point I'm going to make. A lot. Okay. Um, celebrities, people on Instagram. And so I need to tell those people that they're wrong. Okay. So the hill I'm willing to die on this week is this. There was not enough room on that door for Jack. (laughs) (laughs) There wasn't. So a lot of people are saying there was. So (laughs) someone has done this. This segment isn't called the door you're willing to die on, Grace. Yeah. (laughs) The door Jack shouldn't have died on, according to some people. We're talking about Titanic, by the way, just for our listeners. Yeah, if this isn't obvious for anyone, huge film from 1997, Titanic. And at the end, Rose is on the door, you know, and um, Jack um, just sits in the water because um, if he would have got on the door, um, theory is there was enough space, but it would have sunk and they both would have frozen to death. Exactly. So that's the debate. And sorry for the spoilers, you've had 20 years. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> but... So this has actually got a lot of traction lately. Um, So there's like a hilarious person on Instagram that's like, yeah, look at all the ways they could sit on the door together. They could lie together. They could be both sitting cross-legged playing cards. (laughs) And then in a recent interview promoting that uh, Quentin Tarantino film recently that Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio were in, they were doing a press tour for it. And Brad Pitt was actually Mm -hmm. saying it. He's like, come on, Leo. Like, you could have fit on the door, couldn't you? And Leo's like, no comment. And they kept, like, bringing it up and he's like, no comment. (laughs) But the people lying on the door, on a cut out of the door on the floor, they're missing the basic concept of physics. You said it yourself in your description. Yes, he could have fitted on it, but have you heard of buoyancy? It would have sunk, people. They would have both died. So they would have both died or both been semi-submerged in freezing cold water that would have then just they would frozen have died. them both exactly, anyway. Because everyone mm. in the water died. And so, like, it's not about how big the door was. It's about how much weight the door could keep floating. And there are so many. I looked up the hashtags on Instagram and Twitter and there's so many posts under Jack could have fit on the door. And everyone is like, he could have fit. And it's like, no, people. The hill I'm willing to yeah. die on is Jack could not fit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching that movie when I was young and like I didn't understand like physics and you know why couldn't he just get out of the damn water was just going through my mind and it was so upsetting it is like, it was upsetting and tra- tragic for sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> move over Rose you're so selfish but yeah no now that now that I've grown up um yeah unfortunately the hill you're willing to die on is uh, is true 
Yeah, we're really in agreement with our hills this week. But mm. I think, look, the majority of people are definitely against it on the door, at least according to the hashtags. So I just had to tell the truth and get that out there and get that off my chest. Oh, well, it's out there now. Let's, let's find out who's going to join us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now for some recommendations. So I have a recommendation that, Miranda, I think you'll love, especially because you've been having such a bad time finding a good film. Yes. And I don't know if you have heard of this. I certainly hadn't. It just kind of came up on Netflix. Um, It's called Plus One. Have you heard of it or watched it? No, Excellent. Okay. So it's a comedy on Netflix about two friends, one who's Mm -hmm. just had a breakup and the other is like looking for the one. They're both single and they're invited to all these weddings and they're like, oh my God, so draining having to go to all these weddings where everyone's so happy and in love. So they make a pact to go to all the weddings with each other and wingman each other and hilarity ensues. Um, But the reason it's fantastic, like the premise is so-so, but the reason it's fantastic is the main woman in it is hilarious. So her name is Maya Erksheim. She created and stars in the show Pen15 which I've only seen what? a few episodes of. What show? It's Which called one? Pen 15 and they're like the, oh, yeah, yeah, 30-year-old yeah, yeah. women yeah, playing yeah. kids, like 13-year-olds. And in that, she looks like really dorky. She gets like a bowl cut in the first episode. Whereas in this, <laughs> she is like playing an actual adult. She is stunning. She's hilarious. She's amazing. It's definitely the most enjoyable movie I've seen in ages and I recommend oh. it. Plus one on Netflix. Thank you so much. That is, I'm watching that tonight yeah great (laughs) lock it in eddie (laughs) great reco well my first one is also a very enjoyable show it's schitt's creek Mm. so on netflix and oh my god it is just wonderful i had no idea about this show until it was recommended to me by my friend candace and um I was like, what is this show about? I thought it was kind of a boys show, kind of toilet humor and uh, just a silly kind of sitcom. I don't know. It wasn't really. That's kind of the vibe I got from it too, but everyone's talking about it. Yeah, but it's actually unbelievably hilarious. It's moving. It's it's just really quite um, progressive as well. Um, So uh, where I'm actually pushing for us to do a whole segment on this. (laughs) Because there's so much to actually unpack and it's so good. It is just, it's become iconic actually. Like it's just, um, it's very heartwarming. Um, It's also um, got a lot of really progressive elements in terms of um, there is no transphobia, no uh, homophobia. It's kind of like uh, Dan Levy has built this world where that sort of just doesn't come into it. And Mm. it's, it's extremely progressive and beautiful. So right. we're going to be we're going to be deep diving on that, but yeah, more on that later. <laughs> yeah, okay, everyone, check it out. Uh, my second reco is not exactly heartwarming, um, but very powerful and very good documentary. Um, Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just really powerful and well told. Like I think there's quite a few sort of movies in this genre um, since the Me Too movement where they kind of give victim survivors like the platform to tell their own story. And so one of the women who was abused and trafficked uh, by Epstein now lives in Queensland. And she's the girl that um, there's that photograph of her and Prince Andrew. So it's a pretty like big and interesting story, you know, and Prince Andrew has just been such a creep in this whole situation. And he's like, no, I never met her. And she said that I was sweaty, but actually I have a medical condition where I don't sweat. I mean, I didn't used to sweat in like the 90s. And everyone's like, what the hell? If people didn't think you were guilty before now, like. Like, stop using that as your excuse. Yeah, that's so weird. That. Yeah, so stupid. Um, but what's like the inter- what the doco goes into is sort of like, yeah, some earlier cases, the trial, and then of course, um, what won't be news to anyone is the suicide and the sort of circumstances surrounding that. And like, you'd know there's a huge conspiracy theory that he didn't, you know, kill himself and that powerful people wanted him dead. 
I don't believe mm. that at all. I think he just did it as his final f*** you um, because yeah. basically he'd always had power and control over all of these people and he was about to be tried and sent to prison and he, you know, didn't want to not be in control. And also two days before uh, he suicided, he transferred all his money to the Cayman Islands so that it would be harder for anyone to get restitution and sort of robbed people of the, you know, legal system. So I think he just did it to be a dick. Wow. But it's a good doco. Well, yeah, it's worth watching. Good. I mean, it sound, it looked so depressing, so I just didn't choose to watch it. But if you say it's really good, then maybe. I mean, it's really interesting. It's. I think it's Absolutely. worth the watch. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'll have to check them out. All right. And for my last one, completely different um but it's well, also a show thank god because <laughs> that one was but you know <laughs> yeah, exactly duck, duck. <laughs> after your filthy rich jeffrey epstein doco <laughs> yeah um dive into some amazing survival reality show so this is called alone and um anyone who knows me who's listening has probably heard me rant on about this for years it's actually um just concluded its seventh season and um what it's based around is uh 10 contestants uh go to a location separately so they're all completely separated by usually about five miles or six miles or something like that so they actually come into contact never come into contact with each other Uh, they're allowed to take 10 items plus their clothes and that's it. And depending on what items they bring and all that sort of thing, they're not allowed to have guns. They're not allowed to, um, you know, bring any kind of electrical equipment. Can they equipment. walk around? Because I feel like you could get to each other if you're only five miles away from each other. Not in the terrain that they're placed in. Okay. And usually they're set up in separate spots where you could habitate because the point is that you need to actually set up camp right. and prepare for the weather that's ahead and um each season has just gone got stronger and stronger and stronger and they move around locations is this the one where they film themselves on the camera isn't it they don't even they film themselves there's no crew i hate that oh my god it is like we've spoke about this on reality tv ethics and um and it it's challenging because yes, um, there's prize money at the end. There's five hundred thousand dollars that they can win, um, and they film themselves. There's no crew that are on site or even accessible to them um, within minutes. You know, it's it, it takes kind of a couple of hours to get someone out there usually to wherever they are. Mm. Um, and the the most uh, recent two seasons have been set in the Arctic, in what? the north, and so it is absolutely incredible the only the only way to win usually is that you have to be the last person standing so um usually people tap out or they get extracted for medical reasons so that's if they do medical checks every now and then so every 10 days or so um they check their body weight they check for frostbite and all these sorts of things so um anyway it's unbelievable it's definite lack reality like there is no kind of um you know apart from uh the fact that it's on TV and there's a couple of sound effects, it, there's no, it's just them. It's just them being filmed and it's incredible to watch their journeys. And in the most recent season, oh my God, it's just, it's so epic. There's there's so many wild animals as well. Wolves, what? bears, wolverines, lynxes, foxes. This just um, appeals to me 0%. Like I would like an actual movie where you know, their helicopter crashes and they're stuck in the wild and they have to escape. But why? These are just people that just went into this weird situation. Like, are there video journals like, well, this was a terrible idea? Um, Sometimes, yeah. But it's it's also how their mind plays tricks on them because being alone, yeah. it's very hard for people to move through that. And it's really fascinating. And what happens is incredible. People's mind like how their minds transform over that time is incredibly and interesting to watch. And that's actually what's so unethical, isn't it? It's not so much the bears and the coyotes. It's like you are inflicting psychological harm on people. It's you, actually you quite okay different. About that? I do feel okay about that because I actually feel like all of these people who actually sign up, they're survival experts. This is okay. what they do. They're not just they like your love average this. Joe. They are not your average Joe because you would literally die yeah. if you were. Like you could not. Like these people are experts. So it's amazing to watch what they do with the land, with the how they build their logs, how they build their hearth to keep warm. You know, they're living 
completely off grid. Um, all they're Their doing is carbon footprint is pretty low. You're right. No carbon footprint. <laughs> like they're not eating processed crap. Like it's just, but it's yeah. amazing because okay. you are there. You, you think it's not interesting, and then you watch it, and like, yeah. oh my god, I am waiting for that next episode to drop. Like I'm just, I need to know who drops out. I need to know who taps out. You know, like I just need to know. <laughs> okay, so where can we check out the next episode? Okay, so it's on Prime Video, um, all seven seasons, which you can uh, purchase, uh, or you can um, find season three, I think, which is on SBS On Demand. All right, fab. Well, that's it from us for this week. Join us next week where we're going to be talking about another segment which Miranda has finally relinquished (laughs) (laughs) relinquished control and let me talk about. We're going to be talking about Hamilton. (laughs) at least the timing is poignant because it's you know just come out on disney plus and i finally watched it (laughs) look we couldn't not talk about it we talked about it every episode on season one or at least i did anyway so we had to dedicate an actual episode to it and you'll learn more about this next week but for those who don't know one of the central themes of hamilton is about this feud between alexander hamilton and aaron burr So we were sort of thinking about feuds and having a bit of a feud-based episode next week. Yeah, so we're finally straying from TV, which I know is (laughs) fairly shocking to everybody listening. (laughs) So we're going to be diving into some petty feuds and me and Grace will be locating some of the most random and silliest examples that we can find. (laughs) Gotta love some strangers being petty on the internet. It's what we live for. That's it. We do live for it. (laughs) We'll tell you all about that next week. Please note that the views expressed within this podcast are our own and we are not experts. We have done some serious Googling and even some serious internet deep dives, but we are by no means qualified. If you need actual advice, please speak to a licensed professional. We can even help you Google one.